Welcome. This is Efrat Sabalovsky from Why You Connects, happy to introduce Candidate, a candid conversation about today's dating life with experienced guests. Our wonderful host this evening is Rabbi Larry Rothwax, Rabbi of Congregation Beth Aaron in Teaneck, New Jersey, and Director of Professional Rabbinics at Yeshiva University. This podcast is anonymously sponsored by Eloy Nishmas Chano Chayen Ben Yako HaKohen and by the Slomo and Cindy Sylvian Foundation. Hello, my name is Larry Rothwax, and I am privileged to join today as a guest host for Candidate, the podcast by Why You Connects, which offers candid conversations about dating and relationships. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with a very special guest, Mrs. Lois Blumenfeld. Lois and her late husband, Avi Zichron Levracha, were pillars of the Muncie community for many years, where they raised five children, while simultaneously serving on boards of community shuls and schools, all the while being incredibly generous with their time and resources. Their five children all attended Yeshiva University, and Avi served on the REITS board. After their five children married and were settled in Teaneck, Lois and Avi moved to Teaneck to live near their children and grandchildren, but shortly after the move, Avi passed away. Lois is now married to Dr. Norman Sohn, and they together continue to be involved members and supporters of the Teaneck community. Lois is blessed with 19 grandchildren, some of whom I know personally, and many, many great-grandchildren, B'liayin Hara. She's the most extraordinary Balas Chesed and gives of herself wholeheartedly in so many ways. Believe it or not, she actually attended clown school so she could dress up as a clown to visit <laughs> hospital patients. She's involved in Friends of Itamar, and she has personally gone to visit with victims of terror and bond with them, becoming their supporter and friend. When she first moved to Teaneck, she started a knitting club for women. This is a chesed on many levels, as they knit caps for Israeli soldiers and cancer patients. And at the same time, it has become a bonding opportunity for friendship for many women who participate, some of whom, and perhaps all of whom, really appreciate that friendship and that opportunity. And as you can see, Lois is an exceptionally caring woman, one who is gifted at building connections between people. And perhaps that is the best segue into this conversation as we are speaking on behalf of why you connects about connections. And it would seem to me that while there are so many accomplishments and accolades that we can reflect upon, Lois brings a wealth of personal experience as a wife, as a mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. And as we know, the greatest wisdom in the world is the wisdom that we can gain from experience. And in this regard, we have a most unique opportunity to speak with a woman who has experienced much ups and downs, good times and challenging times. And it really is a great personal privilege and a privilege on behalf of all of our mis- listeners to have an opportunity to speak with you, Mrs. Blumenfeld. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a hard so, act for me to live up to now. Okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get right into it. It is my assumption as someone who has had the opportunity to raise children and to see Baruch Hashem, beautiful marriages and family grow from what you have built, that I'm sure that over the course of years, you have learned a thing or two about what works, what doesn't, best practices, if you will, and then and then the other kind, and hoping that you can share with our listeners some of what you have learned, some of what you have gleaned over the course of that time, and specifically focusing on areas of dating and relationships and marriage. Maybe you can share some of your incredible wisdom with us. Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to start with my first statement, which I always tell somebody. I ask them if they have a list. And if they say yes, 
please throw it away. Don't use a list. People are not perfect and you're putting something down on paper. Meet the person and talk to them. Okay. Don't, so I, I assume that we're not talking about shopping lists, right? And we're not talking about... No, we're not. List. Okay, right. So we're talking specifically when it comes to dating. And as you pointed out correctly, unfortunately, there are times where we have uh, lists. Those lists may reflect a set of expectations that may or may not be appropriate. But when we come to sit down with someone, to meet with somebody and trying to connect with them on a human level, sometimes, you know, we need to be a little, a little flexible and open-minded and not come into it, you know, with a preconceived set of, of expectations. Um, wondering if, if in your mind, there is anything that is appropriate to, to put on that list. Um, is it okay for people to say, I will only date someone who, and fill in the blank, whatever that may be, or is this more of a, as we would say, a low plug across the board, no exceptions? I would say, throw away the list. I would repeat that. Um, I told my children that. I did that two times myself. So on that end, I'm speaking from my own experience. Um, I could tell you that definitely for both my husbands, they obviously threw away the list because on the first time around, Somebody asked him what he was doing with me, and was rest was history. He obviously didn't listen. <laughs> um, a list is you're putting down certain things, and I find most people that what they put on the list are superficial things. He has to be tall. He should wear a certain kind of clothing. Um, most of it falls into the category of looks. If you want to put something on a piece of paper, put down, how does he treat me? Is he listening to me? Does he have his phone the whole time? Is he, am I sitting on the phone when I meet somebody? Is the call, the call so important that you have to stop interacting when you're just meeting somebody that you're sitting glued like this? It shouldn't be. You should be both giving undivided attention, especially in the beginning, so you can find out what kind of person it is. Because if they're sitting on the phone now, guaranteed, they're certainly going to be sitting on the phone down the road. So to me, that's very important. Excellent. Thank you very much. So the, the lists, get rid of them. And especially because, as you point out, more often than not, the lists are populated with with ideas that are usually superficial at the end of the day are not going to make or break a relationship. And the things that are most important and most foundational don't need to be put down on a piece of paper, whether it's an actual list that you're holding in your hand, or if it's uh, just, just, just more of a conceptual one, we know what it is that we're looking for. We're looking for good people who are going to be committed to a relationship and developing in that way. And in that regard, do away with the list. Okay. Excellent, excellent advice. What else do you have for us? So can I just give one example on that? Of course, please. Okay. I had set somebody up on a date and they went out and honestly, they were rude. He came to shul and they saw him in shul and they worked this crazy scheme to have somebody go out with him and say they were sick. He came to shul. He's an out-of-town guy with a polyester, burgundy polyester suit. 
And that is in the clothing list. No way, no how. <laughs> Fast forward a few years later, um, it was somebody in my husband's company. He called up to tell me he got engaged and he wanted us to come to the wedding. I said, really? Who'd you get engaged to? How'd you meet her? What'd you do? Somebody set them up. She was a lawyer from the five towns. And I says, what'd you do when you met her? And you have this preconceived idea of the five towns and this out-of-town guy with the burgundy polyester suit. And she said, you know, instead of doing a regular date, can I take you clothing shopping? I love shopping for men's clothing. And the rest was history. They got engaged. I saw a picture of them because we couldn't go to the wedding. She was beautiful. She was a lawyer. So much for a list where clothing may be important. Just listen to the person and see what they're open to. I love that. It's an amazing story okay. for two reasons. First of all, as you pointed out correctly, here's an example of a person who was willing to see past what was right in front of her and said, you know what, maybe this is not the most important thing in the world. But more than that, rather than pretend as if it wasn't there, rather than pretend as if she liked burgundy polyester suits, <laughs> she said, you know what? Let's let's discuss it. Let's talk about it. You know, hey, maybe you would like me to take you shopping. And mm -hmm. it's a it's a beautiful example. I mean, it's obviously somewhat of a humorous run, although there's nothing humorous about the fact that they got married and hopefully lived happily ever after. These are real life stories about people who are able to see beyond that which they see right in front of them in that moment. And all too often, what we have, what we have on our lists fall into that category. Let us put it aside for now and let's look at the person. Let's get to know this person and we, we can deal with whatever whatever's on our list we can deal with later. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, what, what, what else, Mrs. Blumenfeld? So many times the guy may want to impress the girl when they go out and they plan this fancy date and he could be spending a lot of money. Why? Why can't they just go out quietly or just meet? together in a quiet place and talk about each other, but be honest and say what's on your mind. By the way, um, you know, I like my community. I would have trouble moving. Would you be opposed to moving? If you would, can I ask you why? What's in your community that you don't want to leave? Now, leave the discussion open so that you're talking about what I think are real Issues, real points, not, um, you know, what do you like to eat Friday night? You only like the chicken. That, that's unimportant. You can work that out. But where you're going to live is an important thing. Um, okay, so let's break, that, let's break that down for okay. a moment. So the first, I, I think the first thing I heard you say, but correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, there's no need to, to pick an expensive place to go for your, for your first day. I mean, finding a nice place to sit to talk, interact with each other meaningfully uh, would be fine. Uh, and I imagine the same could be true about the second or third date as well. But at a certain point, obviously, if you want to show somebody that you are committed to them in, in a meaningful way, you want to spend a little money. But certainly initially, there's no need to. Um, the, the, the second point is to, to have conversations about things that are meaningful, things that matter, and not to, not to get stuff stuck on the small stuff. But here, let me ask you, um, not pushing back, but trying to understand, could one make a case that initially, just in, in initial interactions, getting to know somebody for the first time, maybe small talk is good just to sort of 
break the ice a little bit, get to know somebody without having to begin having difficult and, um, you know, maybe, maybe more personal, intimate conversations, just talking about, you know, small things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, politics can be a big thing if you're talking about what's going on in the world. <laughs> okay. Um, but you could find a human interest story that you could talk about. Um, you can talk about a book you read. It gives you an idea into where the person's um, reading habits are. Do they bother you? Do they cross over into things that you like? Would you still be able to discuss with the other person about the book, even though it may not be on your agenda to read? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you read re- recently? I thought, okay, good. Excellent. In other words, what you're saying is sometimes, you know, talking about lighter topics could be, could be meaningful segues into, you know, bigger life issues and even getting the sense as to what this person values, uh, how they spend their free time, what their temperament is. There are other ways to get to know a person, uh, even when not necessarily talking about heavy issues. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But you don't need heavy issues in the beginning. You can still talk about things in general. Um, where did you go to camp? Where did you go to school? That's giving you some information without having to ask too many questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, you, did you ever go on vacation? That's so nice. Where did you go? It tells you something about the person. It tells you maybe their interest. If you're aware of the school, then you may know more of what you're typing, which you shouldn't do, but putting into a type of the person you think is in that place. Excellent. Many, many Mary. ways, many ways to start a conversation and many ways to mm-hmm. uh, many different points of departure where you can get to know somebody and how they think. And as I said, how they, what, what they value and what type of person they are. Okay. Uh, why do you think that there is a tendency that people have to maybe spend more than they need to, or they should on the first date? I think because they think that they're impressing somebody. But eventually you run out and if you don't have the money, and not everybody has it when they're starting out, you may get nervous. Yeah, I took the girl out here. I took her out there. What am I going to do next? Or the girl prepared <laughs> certain things for him and said, well, I gave him this and I did that. Oh, I wonder if this is serious because I'm already invested mm-hmm. in this on a heavier end, it's not, I'll give you, can I give you another example? Of course. When I went out with Norman, A, I wasn't going to do this. I had made a life for myself and I said, it's fine. But tell him that up front. So my machetainister is the one that pushed, go, go, go. I said, okay, I tell my children. That's another thing. Never say no because you don't know where your life takes you. I said, I'm a bad example. Tell him I said yes, but I don't know if I want to go any further. He came to the house. I didn't let him in the door. I opened it up and I haven't dated in over 50 years. So I stood there and said, I don't know what to do. Um, (laughs) Do you want to come in? And as he looked, he saw a picture of my first husband and he said, oh, I see you have a big picture of Avi. That's so nice. I don't think I knew him, but could I ask you about him? Under my breath, I said, I have a problem. He's nice. What am I going to do about this? (laughs) He came in. We sat here. He had plans to go to New York, parking and driving in and the tolls and a fancy restaurant. And I said, I don't need that. I'm not impressed by that. Why don't we just sit and talk? And every time he spoke, he was really very nice. 
that became my problem because now what do I do? He's nice. Now you know the end result. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm assuming that you're not giving advice to our young men that they should not be nice on the first date. It's okay to be nice, but <laughs> you, may, you may make a good impression and you never know what will happen. Yes, but also I know of a situation where I set somebody up and the person came in every week from out of town also, took them for lunch in New York, took them for dinner in New York, took them to a Broadway show. This is every Sunday. After 11 dates, he said, what do you think? I said, I'm going to tell you not to go out with her anymore because if she can't make up her mind by 11 dates, will you come in from out of town? For a lunch, a dinner, and a show, she's having the best time. <laughs> and then I asked her to make sure. She says, I'm having a good time. Why not? So here's another avenue. That's why I feel you don't need to go to that level. Go out a few times, and then if you want to, yeah, that's very nice. Right. But not initially. Right. At the same time, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to listen. Uh, I'm, this is th more more than to offer advice, but I would think, but I'm asking you if you would agree, that it probably is important for the young man to show that he's given some thought beforehand as to where he's going, where they're going to be going, and what what they're going to do. So while it doesn't have to be an expensive date, does have to make re reservations at the very fancy restaurant, just to have thought about it beforehand, so that they can in fact find a nice place to sit and to talk mm -hmm. and to interact with each other meaningfully, as opposed to coming into the date completely unprepared. Okay, um, I hear that. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. The second um, date, by the way, we went to a restaurant here. I said, we don't need to go to New York. You don't care. They got nice restaurants in Teaneck. And we went to a restaurant in Teaneck. It was a good meal. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Uh, what else do you have? Any other gems of wisdom? I heard an interesting story. Somebody who's getting married went out with a guy about four years ago. Had a whole list of why she didn't like him. That's it. Not going out anymore. Not for me. He's too this. He's too that. All negative. Fast forward about three years afterwards. Somebody set her up to the same guy. She did it already and it was a bad time. She says, go again. You're not doing anything. Just go. She went out and her mother said to me, I don't know what happened in the three and a half years, but she came home from the first, that date on the second time around. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He's great. Her mother said, wait a minute. Is this the guy you went out with almost four years ago? He's, he's just super. She couldn't stop raving about him. Sometimes it's in timing. Um, you, ne you just never know. And that's my thing of saying, never say no because you don't know where life will take you. And at least you can say you went and you tried so that you don't have to look back and say, I would have, I should have, I could have, but I didn't do it. That was, first of all, that was an amazing story. And I'm so happy you shared that because it, it, as, as you pointed out, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just about timing. You never know. Uh, it could be that he changed a lot over the, those three years and it could be that she did. Right. It's possible that they both did. Uh, and it's also possible that they're the same people, but life has changed and they look, look at things from a different perspective, mm -hmm. perhaps a more mature perspective. But I think why this, the reason this is so important is because what, what frustrates me uh, is that I hear often that there are young men and women who are 
suggested someone and they're not interested. Why? Because someone they know went out with them and it wasn't a good fit for them. You know, my roommate went out with him and, um, you know, and she didn't think it was a good idea. Or my best friend, I went out with her and if it didn't work for him, then how could it possibly be a good idea for me? And what you have just demonstrated by one story, but I'm sure that there are many like it. And actually, I know some of the stories as well, is that there are times that the two very, the same people can be incompatible at one point, And then several months or years later, suddenly it's the right time. And so therefore, as a general rule, as you're saying, never say no. Correct. Be open to ideas. You never know. But go back to your point where the friend says no. So I've asked the question, so would you marry your friend's husband? She says, what are you talking about? He's not for me. I said, then why would you just <laughs> listen to her opinion? Right. If you want to get married, I have to assume you're mature enough. Make your own opinion. Go out and make your own opinion. Yeah. I think in general today, people, we, we, live, we live in an age in which we have access to what appears to be a lot of information. Um, and so therefore, we think that we can research any topic, or in this case, come to know a person from a distance, learn about them, ask questions. And we believe, we imagine that we are so informed as to who this person is, uh, that we can do all of this vetting before actually sitting down and having a face-to-face conversation. The reality is that this is, as, as far as I can tell, this is a, a new phenomenon, that until relatively recently, perhaps you'd learn a little bit about a person, have some idea before just going on a completely blind date. But in terms of all the, the data and the statistics and who this person dated and where they've been and everything about them, what I can find online and what I can find by speaking to my friends, uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't have access to this information. And frankly, we didn't need it. And I'm not sure, it, And sometimes, you know, more is less and less is more. Sit down, interact with a person face-to-face, and you'll learn, you'll learn everything you need to know from your own perspective, uh, through your own eyes. So Sometimes excellent. you hear negative, and that will make somebody withdraw from considering the person. Um, certainly parents may mix in on that. Their neighbor told them X, Y, Z, you should think twice. I still think that you should meet the person I don't think you should hold background against them. I think you should find out for yourself where they're at. Not every path that you take is a smooth one, and maybe it will not be smooth. But judge the person. And I'm going to give you a personal example on that. I do not come from a from background. And when my husband was going out with me, we had gotten engaged. Someone walked up to him and said, what are you doing with her? I didn't have a name at the time. It was called her and he said I want to be with her and he said but why she's not from us so I am telling you personally we had 47 and a half years of a beautiful marriage no regrets on his part and certainly none on my part it would have been a case in today's world that a parent would have maybe mixed in and said this is not for you they're not from our way of life there were rough spots but so what? You never know where they come from. If you can't get past them, then maybe you're not ready to get married and deal with what comes through life. Yeah. That's an excellent, first of all, again, every time I enjoy so much hearing you speak, but uh, every one of your points brings out, you know, so many other points for consideration or for reflection. But uh, on, on that last point alone, 
if if you're not prepared to deal with the unexpected, if you're not ready to have to face things that you didn't know were there beforehand, so then how can you possibly be prepared for marriage? Is that not what life is all about? After all, how much can we really, really know about what it is that we are getting ourselves into? Every day is a new day. You never know what tomorrow will bring. And uh, we should trust our instincts and learn to to get to know people for ourselves face-to-face and resist the, the sometimes the very, very strong temptation to allow our, our own perspectives to be colored by others. Uh, in, the case, in the example that you gave, it could be particularly difficult when, when we're dealing with uh, parents who are offering uh, their advice. And of course, we, don't, we wouldn't never want to tell anybody to ignore parental advice, uh, but parents need to be careful and, and very thoughtful about what it is that they say um, and allow their children um, not only at this point, but certainly it's going to be necessary uh, for the rest of their lives as well to be able to make uh, choices independently uh, with their input, but, you know, inappropriate measures. So because probably of where I'm coming from, sometimes what people say as my children started to go out, where are they from? Who are their parents? What do they belong to? I said, listen to me carefully. I am the last person that would ever ask those questions. All I know is the smile on my child's face doesn't leave them when they're with the person. That's all I care about. Everything else can be worked out. I think sometimes, be it parents, friends, whomever, put too much input into a relationship. Sometimes it is a mistake, but sometimes you make a mistake in life. Um, But again, if I see that my children are so happy with that person, I don't care about anything else that comes up. I don't care where they're from. And by the way, I have an amazing relationship, not just with my machatanam, with my grandchildren, my grandchildren, I have to think of the generation, my grandchildren's machatanam, because I never look to see they do this. I don't care what they do. They're happy with my family. I'm happy with them. What more do you want in life? Why complicate it for your children? Uh, thank you. Mrs. Blumenfeld, please, please share anything else that you have, because uh, I could listen to you for an hour and hours. I don't know. <laughs> I can listen to Benjuria for a lot longer. <laughs> um, one second. I just want to look here. When you do go out, as I said, see if the person is really listening to you. Are you really listening to the person? Are you diverted because your phone says message and it's so important you have to take it off now? Or could you wait a minute? I have to make a phone call. Um, or you're busy looking around to see who else is there or what else is going on. Are you really sitting and talking to each other? Are you happy being with the person? And then take it one step further. When you meet the family, are you comfortable? Do they make you comfortable? To me, that's very important. Right. That's really interesting because you keep coming back to, uh, again, the, the most basic and fundamental features of any health relationship. And that is, the, how does this person make you feel? Are they meaningfully connected to you? When you are sitting face-to-face, are you really engaged? Or is the other distracted and being pulled in many different directions and do you feel do you feel appreciated and embraced by that person and his or her family 
Uh, these are, at the end of the day, these are going to be some of the most important indicators for success going forward. Uh, much more than whether the person is wearing a burgundy suit or a black one. So, okay. I told a story at a Shevrebacha, and I, I took. I have a magazine that I get from Muncie, so this is pure plagiarism. But I thought it was an interesting story. Um, you have a chassan and collar, and of course you're going to say how wonderful they both are and how great this marriage is. They just got married. They haven't had time to find out what it's like to really live together. She's great. He's great. What can you say? But the bottom line is they're not perfect, and they're not perfect for a reason. It's because she has to learn about him still. It's different learning after you're married, and he has to learn about her. And even if you disagree, somewhere along the way, you can keep your individuality, but you become one person. You should be able to agree on the important things in life. So you, you're not the perfect person when you get married. Everybody thinks you are, but you become, if you want to call it a perfect couple, you should be united in the important things, not the color of the sofa or not the color that you're going to paint the wall, but what you want to be involved in, maybe where you go, maybe where you want to send your children. Those are important things. And you can talk about it beforehand, but you can change your mind after you're married. It depends on where you're living. It depends on who you became friendly with. There's a lot of other things that come into play. So absolutely, you retain your individuality, but you can be one. And you should feel like you're a united couple. Right. So to remember, most importantly, remember, you're not, you're not looking at a finished product. You yourself are not a finished product. The person you're speaking with and getting to know for the first time is not the same person they're going to be years from now. In some ways, we are who we are and we don't change. But in many ways, we do and we can. It's interesting. There's a bracha that we recite under the chuppah and throughout the week of Sheva brachos. We recite the bracha of Yotzer HaAdam. We acknowledge the fact that HaKadosh Baruch who created man. And you would think that that would be a bracha that we would recite upon the birth of a baby. When a baby is born, someone, parent, somebody should recite the bracha. Here we have a baby that has been created. But clearly, Chazal wanted to stop us uh, from that, that instinct to say, oh, look, here is a moment of Yitzhira Sa'adam and recognize that it could be many years, it could be decades before this person reaches a stage in which we can say this person has been created and this is still a stage. This is not the final product. This is not the finished product. This is a stage in personal development. And as you pointed out, in development as a couple. And um, there's only so much that we can now about know about what our future holds, but uh, to, to get to know a person and to see how they can adapt to the various situations that we will be encountering over the course of our lives. I don't. I feel like I'm going to continue to ask you if you have anything else. Because okay, <laughs> because... Um, there was one other thing. Just give okay. me one second. I had all these notes here. Oh, I asked you beforehand if I'm allowed to say this. Um, when young couples, young people go to weddings, I'm assuming they want to get married because people know they want to get married. If you see anybody, tell me. Let me know. 
right now, I've seen this too many times. There's a big mechitza. The guys are on one side and the girls are on the other side. The only thing is, it's not across the end of the mechitza where maybe they can see each other. But it's on this end of the room and the other end of the room. So there's virtually minimal contact. If they want to get married, they're at a wedding, they're in a public place. Why cannot the tables be, if you need, on the other side of the mechitza, but near each other? Would it be so terrible if they were able to say, hi, how are you, where are you from? It's such a perfect place to meet somebody, and I think so, and see them. I understand the discomfort of sitting at a table right now that's mixed, because I asked somebody that was at a mixed table, and they said they were not comfortable because this is where the world has gone. But would it be so terrible to have the tables near each other at the end of the mechitza so that they can actually see somebody? They're still on the other side. They want to get married. Help them. Excellent. That's my question. So if you are listening and you will be making a wedding, uh, or if you have any say in the planning of somebody else's wedding, please see to it that uh, those eligible men and women have the opportunity to interact with each other as much as, as much as they are willing, either in actual mixed seating, or um, if that's not going to work for that crowd, as Mrs. Blumenfeld generously pointed out, that may not be for everyone. At the very least, have the tables close enough to each other so people can have the opportunity to interact with each other uh, in that informal way. And you never know. You never know. But as you pointed out, we're talking about people that are are in the parsha, people who are sitting at a single table, hoping we imagine soon to be mm-hmm. sitting at a married table. Well, this is just one more opportunity uh, to make one of those connections. And then, of course, um, you have a place like Why You Connects, which is basically, I think, for a younger um, college and right after. It's a great place to go. I never made a shidduch on my own, but there were three people I sent there, begged them to go. And they actually found somebody in Nicolachayim. They thanked me for pushing why you connect. That's amazing. I'm doing the advertisement now. But they're a great place. And if not, there are other groups. Just go. You never know. Yes, it could be boring. Yes, you could be sorry you went to that one. But you don't know who you will meet. You don't know who you will meet who... And talking to you who think, hey, you know, I have a friend that's great. You never know where life will take you. Just go and go with an attitude that I'm so happy to be here. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. Thank you for sharing of your incredible wisdom over the course of many decades. Clearly, you have picked up a lot and you've learned a lot and in a very, very humble and unassuming way, you have uh, accomplished so much but have been able you know, to sit here with us and have a very down-to-earth conversation Thank you. I'm about still some learning. very, very Thank important real-life issues. Right. I'm still learning. Every day you have to learn something new. Thank you. Thank you again for your I time. And thank you, everyone, for joining us at Candidate. And we look forward to continuing our conversations about dating and relationships in the future. Thank you, and have a thank wonderful you for the time. day. Bye-bye. Thank you to our gracious hosts and guests this evening. Please email us at whyyouconnects at yu.edu to suggest future dating and relationship building topics and guests for your enjoyment. Candidate at whyyouconnects.